what's Appalachian? Just like everything, yep. you know, trapping has evolved over time. Yeah. And um, there are best management practices, BMPs, you know, that a lot of these wildlife agencies and veterinarians have worked together to develop traps mm-hmm. from point of manufacture to cause the least amount of harm to an animal as possible. And welcome back to another episode of What's Appalachian, and this is Gabe Roush alongside my next-door neighbor, <laughs> Cody Greathouse. This is our third take on just the intro, because <laughs> he got weirded out that I introduced myself with just my first name. Well, you're using your radio voice, so it, like, <laughs> it's weird. I'm trying to weird you out, dude. I know. <laughs> so, uh, you won't get the joke unless I tell the story. Uh our, our guest tonight, Justin Lewis, was telling us how he did an interview with like a local, local uh, radio station, I think. Yeah. And he had normal conversation with the guy, and the guy just like flipped on like a radio voice. <laughs> All of a sudden. <laughs> just boom. Got to shook him up a little bit. <laughs> uh, also, too, I've kind of got a cough tonight. So that's. Well, my voice is half gone from, you know. Mostly laughing. That, yeah. And then like. It's post nasal drip. We don't have COVID. No, no, there's there's no COVID. Mine is like uh, post yelling at girls on the basketball court. So that's like, <coughs> excuse me. No, but uh, got a fun episode tonight. One we've been wanting to do for a while, really. Yeah, yeah, we've been waiting uh, to get with Justin for a little bit, and and you know, just kind of discuss some, you know, trapping stuff. Just trapping and, stuff. It's something that's not necessarily unique to Appalachia, but I know there's a lot of tradition here regarding it. Yeah, um, it's something that maybe. Some folks out there might not really be accustomed to or know yeah. much about. I didn't know much about this. Well, stuff. I didn't either, and you guys will know that, you know, throughout the episode. Like, I wasn't, I'm not, you know, I, I've never done it. Yeah. You know, but uh, I think that's kind of our job as, as mm-hmm. you know, this podcast. We educate people in terms of things that are happening in Appalachia or, or people that we meet. I, I feel like, you know, just me personally, I feel like Justin is one of those people that, that – uh kind of brings a, a sense of reality back to Appalachia in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, the things he does. Justin's, you know, an avid outdoorsman that, that you know, travels quite a bit and does a lot of outdoorsy things. And, and you know, that that's what, you know, Appalachia's, you know, people look at Appalachia as, as a they, big. They, they see that. They yeah. That's kind of one of our actually accurate conceptions. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of outdoorsy people. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, but I, I think too, you know, uh, there there comes a sense of reality too with this with this interview that uh, you know we hit some hot topic ideas in terms of you know organizations trying to put a pause <coughs> or, or a strain on trapping and things like that, and, and we hit on that in this episode. But you know, throughout the course of this, it's a it's a reality that that um, you know. This is this is a way of life for a lot of people. You know what I mean. So before we get into this interview with Justin about <laughs> trapping, like I feel like there's like certain criteria, yeah, traditionally to be like a good trapper, right? And maybe me and you might fit that early onset criteria. What are you thinking? I uh, gotta have a good beard, man. I've never trapped a day in my life, so I don't know. You you look at you, you look at magazines, you read books about traditional trappers, and you see photos. They all got these like banging ass beards that are like hanging. Like chest low, yeah. So, so what do, what do you think the percentage is of the beer competition you went to? What's the percentage of these fellas? Like, <laughs> those guys, all those are one hundred percent trappers. <laughs> <laughs> like one hundred percent. 
100%. They were trappers. He had one guy in second place that has never trapped an animal in his life. Yeah, other than a goldfish. I'm a a trapper now. (laughs) I'm a trapper now. I flushed that shit down the toilet, but I trapped it with a net. That's technically fishing, not trapping. (laughs) But anyways, which brings me into one of our proud supporters is Visions Barbershop because they keep our beards looking extra sharp typically yeah 99.9 that's 100 percent of the time and uh these guys as we've said a hundred times before they are masters of their craft of being master barbers yeah uh located in galpless ferry west virginia jason jason bush and justin romero if they were married they could be jason (laughs) jason yeah jason bush (laughs) marrow Uh, I don't know where we're going with this. But anyways, if you're ever around our side of the Ohio Valley, on our side of West Virginia, be sure to check out Vision's Barbershop in Kepler'sbury, West Virginia. Uh, so, hope you guys enjoy this interview with Justin Lewis, one of my best friends from childhood. This week on we've got my buddy justin lewis here with us tonight he did it yep. turn the radio voice on <laughs> is that the radio voice yeah fair oh damn uh, wasted that beer crack for nothing <laughs> did. You did. And I, th- I saw where you're gonna stop recording and then yeah, like, my, go uh, back. but no we're going we're going we're going uh so got my buddy justin lewis here tonight with us to talk a little bit about fur trapping um we always want to try to bring some other appalachian which i know trapping Definitely goes outside the borders of Appalachia, but I feel like it's something that's pretty deep-rooted here. Um, so thanks for coming to hang out with us, dude. Yeah, thanks, dude. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell us about trapping, because like, I don't remember you really being in the trapping when we were younger. I wasn't. Yeah, like I feel like like after college was when you kind of really started dabbling in it. Yeah, it was probably about, I think, 2008, 2009. I went to... WVU studied mm-hmm. wildlife and fisheries management, and that's kind of where I dipped my toes in the water. Yeah, because um, you know, I mean, there wasn't anybody that I grew up around that did it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but learning learning about uh, wildlife management, they teach you that trapping is a valuable tool as far as um, you know. Um, population surveys, um, just all, all sorts of studies. Um, and yeah, there's, there's a ton, there's a ton of things that wildlife agencies can find from trapping data. Okay. Um, and it's, it's also used for like restocking reintroductions. Mm -hmm. Um, cause those animals aren't, they're not just, you know, farm-raised animals they've right. got to go somewhere else catch them and relocate them mm-hmm. yeah um and that's i was really interested in it whenever whenever we started learning about it mm-hmm. um so i started reading into it and really kind of like digging around yeah. i thought you know well maybe i'll try this because it gives you something to do af- after deer season yeah um and i just like I went down this rabbit hole yeah. <laughs> and now I'm obsessed with it. I couldn't care 
about right. deer hunting at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when does when does trapping season? I mean, just for our listeners, I mean the the span of trapping season. What when do you do most of your work? I mean, when does that run? Well, season opens <clears throat> in West Virginia. Um, it's always the first weekend in November. Okay. But uh, and it runs through. Everything goes out at the end of February, except for beaver, which runs through the end of March. Right. Um, and it's kind of, it's, it's season runs when it runs because that's when, um, that's when the young of the year animals are, you know, they're weaned off, they're right. kicked out on their own. Yeah. And the fur starts to, that's when the fur is the best, mm-hmm. typically from about the week of Thanksgiving through mid-January right. on most animals and then um like bobcats don't start to get good until January through right. February and beaver doesn't start to get good from Christmas through March right so it's kind of it's set when it's set yeah because that's when it's that's, there for that, a reason yeah it's, yeah. The, it's set like that for a reason right yeah, that's when the fur is going to be best yeah. and you know you're not <clears throat> trapping yeah, young animals. Right, definitely, yeah. definitely. I think that's important for our listeners to kind of understand too. I mean, whether they're you know um, trappers themselves or or avid outdoorsmen, you know these rules and stipulations are there for a reason. Yeah. Um. To you know, to obviously benefit wildlife, but you know, I think it's interesting that you know you picked up on trapping just through WVU, and it wasn't something that was kind of brought through you know your family or anything like that. Kind of like you know being raised in West Virginia. At least for me, and I, you know, I can't speak for everybody that's going to tune into this, but like, you know, it's always a given that you learn how to shoot a gun, you learn how to, you learn how to hunt, you learn how to fish, things like that. Just as, you know, someone from West Virginia, Appalachia, period. But uh, I think it's pretty neat that you're influenced by someone. You know, it didn't come from your grandpa; it came from academia, right? Uh, that's yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> like that, that inspiration. It, it, it did. Um, yeah, nothing. No one in my family. People in my family hunted. And, uh, my grandpa and my uncle, when they were, when they were kids, they fox hunted Mm -hmm. and, you know, back in when they were young, there were a lot of fox around. There were a lot of people that ran fox hounds and ran coon hounds, raccoon hounds. Um, but there wasn't anyone in my direct family that did it. Um, Now there was a guy that would stop by every deer season, first week of rifle season, every year he would stop by and he would buy our of our deer hides yeah mm-hmm. and he trapped right and hey, who was that um, I'd rather not okay mention. that's fine that's fine <laughs> i understand i understand but uh um when i started to get interested in it my grandpa saw me getting interested in it he was like well yeah this guy does it yeah. he's the only guy that we know so yeah he took us over and uh introduced us to him and i said he said well what do you want to know I said, I want to know how to catch a mink. And he said, you put a trap where a mink's going to step. Yeah. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. He's not wrong. He's not. No. And yeah. to, probably to this day, that's the best piece of mink trapping advice I've ever got. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as far as trapping in Appalachia, they kind of go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, most of most of the early frontier towns you know that's that's what they were trading in you know, right, yeah. fur um actually 
I just I just read recently. Um, so Harding Books and Harding Publications they they deal mainly in like outdoor literature. Mm-hmm. Um, they got their start in Galpolis, Ohio. Mm-hmm. The the founder of it he was also the founder of the Gallia Times, right? Which was yeah, back in like early 1900s or whatever, and then sold it and moved around and now it's a fur fishing game or now they've got wait a minute let me back up he started hunter trapper trader magazine and then sold it and it is now what's known as uh, fur fishing game which is you can buy it on walmart shelves yeah. all over the place that's crazy and that's just country. across the river yeah starting galpolis oh that's nuts yeah yep. never or, knew that well the owner Right. Or the guy yeah. that founded it. Right. That's He's where from, it was originated. From Galpolis yeah. originated. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. Huh. Yeah, I just read that. Yeah. Recently. It was in a book I was reading. <laughs> yeah, go on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's cool too, you know, you, you pick up this trade in terms of, you know, the the trapping and things like that. You've actually influenced a couple good friends of mine, Daniel Tench and, and you know, Justin Lee. They're they've been working the trapping game and, and I think, you know, within the realm of this whole trapping stuff, it's like Dude, there, there's just a level of respect that they have, you know, for you just in talking to them and, mm-hmm. and how you go about things and, and stuff like that. You So I think you've taken this from, you know, WVU or, or the guy that, you know, taught you how to trap mink. And it's like you've, <laughs> you've influenced, you know, other people to get out there and, and – and do it as well. You know what I mean? I don't know many people that do trap other than those, you know, other than uh, you I three. Mean, yeah. um, uh, Col- Colton did when he was here mm-hmm. for several years. There's that's there's quite a few guys around here locally that do yeah, right, um, and it's it's one of those things that you know it it wasn't really a mainstream activity right. un, until recently. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of blown up with quality deer management and people yeah. people want to uh, you know trap coyotes yeah. to help their deer herd right. trap raccoons and possums to help their turkey population mm-hmm. um before that you know back in the 60s 70s 80s it was a pretty secretive activity because i mean you could sell a red fox for 75 80 dollars right and in the 1970s 75 80 dollars for one oh, red yeah. fox that's killing it yeah there were guys that were that would take layoffs all winter long, not work and just really? trap fur. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Because they can make more money trapping fur than they could than what work they could it. going to wow. work. <laughs> huh. Wow. So and then after I think the stock market crashed in I think it was like nineteen eighty eight and fur tanked with it. Yeah. And after that, you know, it just kind of trapper recruitment kind of fell off and decline you know people didn't want to get out there and do it mm. for nothing yeah but so even today like so the fur market prices still kind of follow the trend of just the normal yeah, they're, they're pretty up and down really um, back in 2000 it was between about 2008 2012 somewhere in there it spiked again mm-hmm. and prices shot up on a lot of on a lot of uh different species like i think raccoons shot up muskrats shot up um you could sell 
I sold muskrats in, I think, 2010 for anywhere between 9 and $14 a piece. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can catch a lot of them yeah. when you get into them. Um, but recently, a lot of that kind of fell off. Um, coyote, or coyotes, um, they've been kind of leading the market as far as fur goes here the last... I don't know, five, really, five, ten, or five, eight years, something like that. Mm. But, uh, and that was predominantly due to a company out of Canada called Canada Goose. They were using uh, coyote trim on their parka hoods. Uh, and they've discontinued doing that. So right. now coyotes drawn its way down. down. So but it, it's pure supply yeah, it's, demand. You yeah. know, let me ask you this, Justin. I mean, <clears throat> you know, how much does a, how much of a damper do, um, organizations that that are for animal rights I mean oh. how big of a damper does that put on the on the fur trade man well because i mean you think just you look, having me on here talking about this is you probably go get some hate mail dude i don't yeah i promise <laughs> it's not gonna be that big of a deal you're good <laughs> i promise we might get canceled well i'm just <laughs> i'm literally just curious i mean i, I imagine it's probably high i mean you think and I, the reason why i ask is because uh you know and this is going to be random as hell but like you know the other day i was sitting down here and uh, i got on tv and there's you know i watched i love lucy and and it's like i said it's random as hell but like she had this fur coat on you know what i mean and it had animal fur on it it's just funny how you know for a while it's like that was the hot item that was the hot ticket like if you wore um you know, a coat with, you know, with fox fur around the trim or whatever it may be, like, you were, it was pretty much a symbol for wealth, kind of. You shit changed since the 60s? It has. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just curious, like, it probably puts a pretty big damper in terms of, of fur trade, you know, these organizations. It, it does, you know, because they can, they can influence companies you know mm-hmm. not not to use fur mm-hmm. yeah um which is i believe what happened with canada goose mm-hmm. um, i gotcha and you know, I mean, they can influence you know they can influence uh you know legislation as far as right. um the state of new mexico last legislation leg- legislative session lost their right to trap on public land, hmm. period. Cannot trap on public land. Well, the state of New Mexico is 60-some percent public land. land yeah. 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 So they've pretty much lost yeah. a huge wildlife management tool. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, like, how does that help with population management and stuff like it that? It doesn't. Yeah, I was well, going to say. Those, those animals are still going to get killed, yeah. but it's going to be... Predatory. And it, it's going to be... Or illegally. Well, illegally or... These ranchers that uh, use public land or range livestock on, they're going to have to call the the like USDA yeah. Wildlife Services, and they're going to have to use taxpayer dollars to. Right. And they're going to kill those coyotes <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, so rather than like letting yeah. honest folk take care of the situation for free, for free, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and that all stemmed from a illegally set snare i believe it was either i can't remember if it was a foot or a foothold trap or a snare but it was illegally set mm-hmm. 
and it caught a dog and the dog died. Right. I believe it was snare. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, groups like the Humane Society and, you know. Probably jumped all over it. They jumped all over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. and 99.9% of the times when something like this happens, it is a result of somebody doing something illegal. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, it's not, you know, law-abiding. Right. Trappers that right. give us a bad name. I mean, you think you of know. what happens around here with poaching and things of that sort. I mean, yeah. you're always going to have those people that that are going to do. Are gonna, oh, there, are gonna there, be there, there's always a bad apple. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's with anything. But, I mean, you know, I think, <clears throat> and it's funny that we've done this recording, like, today, because last just last week, my students and I, we were reading informational articles about invasive species. Mm-hmm. You know, species that are introduced to our land mm-hmm. that kind of put a damper on the food chain and put a damper on um you know population are there any invasive species in west virginia oh yeah Safe. so what 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 do you th- i mean what there are, are i mean just as far as plant species alone there are yeah. tons kudzu, right. kudzu vine is huge really <laughs> yeah if you drive is that, is that <laughs> like going down by the the sawmill yeah above oh sawmill, okay Lincoln, yeah all that vine yeah that's kudzu vine okay um Feral cats are invasive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, would a coyote be considered invasive here? That's what I was going to ask. Or, or, or like, what was that process? In a sense, yes. Most invasive species are introduced as fo- you know they're introduced by man. Mm-hmm. Um, the coyote, and I'll get some hate from deer hunters. The DNR did not introduce coyotes into West Virginia. Yeah. Coyotes. Arrived here naturally, you know. I got gotcha. you. Through west westward expansion, we've we extirpated the timber wolf right. from the east, mm-hmm. um, the mountain lion, mm-hmm. all these big predators, yeah. and the black bear was knocked down for years, which it's back now and booming mm-hmm. and doing great. But in that time, the coyote was able to, you know, slowly move its way east. Yeah, uh, and. Yeah, and flourish. Yeah, and flourish. Understandable. You talked about being highly adaptive and highly successful. Yeah, coyote is. <laughs> yeah, and that's, just, and that's also usually a uh, quality that invasives have in right. in an area that they're not native to. Yeah, yeah they're extremely successful usually. Yeah, so, I, I was just curious because my students were really interested in the fact that you know these animals <clears throat> adapt. Even though they're introduced to this, to this you know, new area, new population, and things like that, which we were reading about, how the Erie Canal was built and mm-hmm. sea lamprey had come and messed with the Great Lakes and had, you know, pretty much ate out the fish population mm-hmm. in the Great Lakes for a long time in the '40s. And my kids are really into that. You know what I mean? Um, but I was just curious about just around here in terms of invasive species, um, you know, just animals being introduced here. To a big one right now, which I haven't really heard much of it recently, is the uh, silver and big head carp. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know the ones that yeah spring up out of the river. Yeah, um, knock you off your boat. Knock you off your boat. Yep. <laughs> if you get when I was working as a deckhand on the river, when when we went down, once you got below Louisville on mm-hmm. the Ohio River, those things. If you got over in the shallows, they're Everywhere. shooting up out of the water. Yeah, but there have been some caught 
upriver of Louisville, but Louisville seems to be like kind of the cutoff. Yeah. They haven't really, you know, yeah. taken off up yeah. here the way they have down there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's a big one. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's like I said, it was interesting. I mean, you know, I, I know I have friends that, that bow fish too. Speaking of carp, I know we're mm, probably getting yeah. way off topic here, but I mean, <laughs> like people complain about that all the time too, but still like grass carp, things like that, still population control when you go boat fish and, mm. and things like that because carp is a carp. Yeah. I mean, it's a garbage fish. You know what I mean? It just, right. I could be wrong, but they serve their purposes. Yeah. The but no, you know, I was just curious in terms of all that uh, invasive species and things like that. So another, uh, something that trappers deal with quite a bit that is invasive is the, um, nutria, mm. nutria rat. Yeah. Um, we don't have them here, but Virginia has them. Mm. Um, I believe Maryland had, well, yeah, I think the coastal marshes in Maryland and Virginia, like Chesapeake Bay area, they've right. got them. Um, and then you get down South, uh, I know Louisiana's got a ton of them. Really? Like, what is a nutrient rat? Is it literally just a rat, large rat, or yeah. is this like? Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much a what it is. Huge rat, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a huge aquatic rat. Um, I gotcha. They're from, they're from South America. They were introduced into North America during, I want to say it was the seventies, maybe early eighties, something like mm-hmm. something somewhere around in there. Yeah. As a um, as as a fur resource, mm-hmm. um, you know, because fur was booming, it was yep. huge. Um, and some folks got, you know, they got the bright idea well, we're going to bring nutria here and we're going <laughs> to raise them. And yeah. well, <laughs> fur's booming, that. boys. Let's, let's let's get some rats. Bring out some here. rats in here. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> but uh, I want that on a coat. <laughs> yeah, but um, just the tails. Give me a rat coat. Ooh. <laughs> Imagine walking around with the coat and just ooh, quit. (laughs) Sound effect made it worse. God. uh, (laughs) Um, trying to think. I mean, they're pretty big. They're almost like a river rat. No, like so. A muskrat is about a pound, two pounds. Yeah, big one. A really big muskrat might get up three pounds. Yeah, a beaver is. A beaver can get up to. 60 70 like up way up north they can get up like 70 pounds yeah um small beaver a kit beaver is probably you know a yearling beaver is probably in the 10 15 pound range right a nutria full-grown nutria is like the size of a small beaver mm-hmm. holy cow they're huge I mean, they're, wow they're a big critter so um, they they are you know and i'm just curious like they're that's where they they impact the food chain that affect other animals, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, they were they're a big problem in in the, in the south in the marshes, mm-hmm. and I want to say it's you know, they ch- they just change their environment so right. much by what they eat. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they I think they kind of like eat so much of this aquatic vegetate this native aquatic vegetation that they turn these marshlands into basically lakes. I gotcha. You know. Okay. And wetlands have you know, a very important oh uh like they're they're very important purpose in yeah. the ecosystem. Right. They're basically a filtration system. Exactly, yeah. yeah. 
So the nutria is not good. Right. <laughs> so is it like open game on them? Like yep. it is wild boar? Just about everywhere. Like everybody flying around in a helicopter? <laughs> I'm, I'm um, just kidding. Just about everywhere that you have nutria, there's just like open season on yeah. them. Yeah. Um, bounties. A lot of states have bounties on them in oh, the really? south. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I know some guys that actually get Alabama, Mississippi, I think, has so much water down there in the yeah. Delta, you know. Um, like they've got bounties on them. I know really? guys that go down there just to trap Nutria. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> For Nutria. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I never knew any of this. I this is new to me. I think it's $10 a tail. This is Nutria to, to me. Imagine reporting that on your taxes. <laughs> yeah. Nutria tails. <laughs> Made $30,000. Nutria tails. Nutria tails. Maybe there's a tax break for that. I don't know. Could be. I don't know. Should be. <laughs> um, kind of going back, you're talking about kind of catching flack and stuff like that, especially from uh, animal rights groups and stuff like that. Some people have this concept, like perception of trapping is inhumane and like harsh and not necessary. Like, did you ever cap- catch any flack, like, or hear any flack, like, when you're in your class or anything, or since you've kind of been into. No trapping or or, um, or, or like like because I, I feel I'm probably more on your level on this, but mm-hmm. like what what do you say to somebody that might be like that's just cruel? Most of the people that say stuff like that, they've already got their mind made up. Yeah, you know? um, and you know they they've probably got a misconception of what it really is. You know, mm-hmm. right? Um, because m- my first introduction to trapping was the fox and the hound. Yeah, yeah, you know, fair. That's, that's uh, fair. Like four years old watching <laughs> yeah. Disney movies, and there's this guy just he just wanted to kill that fox so yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah, and all those traps had teeth on them. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm 99.9 percent sure that there's not a state or province or province in Canada where you can legally set a trap with teeth. Right. Yeah. Um. That's just no longer how things work just mm-hmm. like everything yep. you know trapping has evolved over time yeah and um there are uh, best management practices bmps you know um that a lot of these wildlife agencies and veterinarians have worked together to develop mm-hmm. um basically to you know develop traps mm-hmm. ma- just from the point of manufacture to cause the least amount of harm to an animal as possible. Right. So what you're saying is people that actually deal with animals professionally on a daily basis no to more, manage. No more about it. than No, no more about people. it. And what, what, what's yeah. best practice than people yeah. in whatever, wherever. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, people watch a lot of TV. It's <laughs> true. Right? It's <laughs> uh, true. Very true. Um, so also about some legislation and stuff like that. Um, have you gotten, I know, I know you got involved with the West Virginia Trappers Association. Yep. Talk about that a little bit, dude. I have been a, a director for the Trappers Association for the last, mm, I want to say three or four years. Mm-hmm. Currently, um, my role is the Fur Takers of America director, which is, I'm basically the liaison between the Fur Takers of America, which is a national trapping <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Trapping Association. There's two national associations: the National Trappers Association and Fur Takers of America. Yeah, and then most states have a state association. Um, 
and the West Virginia Trappers Association was founded in 1960, I want to say 67, might have been 69, um, by guys from all over the state. Yeah. You know? And one of the founding members was from Mason. Oh, really? Uh, Nick Olson Wright. Really? Yeah. Um, and every year we we keep track of wildlife legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, we work on educating and promoting trapping, or educating and promoting trapping. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and we hold a fur sale every March um, where trappers can bring their fur and sell it. Um, we also, they also allow people to sell roots, mm-hmm. um, yeah, which, if you know anything about West Virginia, root, ginseng. roots, ginseng, that's, yeah. you know, that's a big thing in the state. It's big ginseng. money. Ginseng. Yeah. Going um, singing. <laughs> yeah. And we also hold a uh, annual rendezvous in September, which is kind of just like a th- you know, throwback to the old mountain man rendezvous. <laughs> rendezvous. Yeah. I have a um, question. Do you wear your skins to the rendezvous? I cannot. <laughs> no. Carry your flintlock <laughs> with your traps we over your we side? We actually had... I started a fire with flintlock once. We act- yeah, they did. We actually had the uh, West Virginia Muzzleloaders Association come to our rendezvous this year, and they did flintlock oh, really? shooting. Yeah. Nice. yeah. Let the kids all shoot flintlock oh, that's cool. target. And, um, oh, it's a great time. Yeah. It, where, where is that rendezvous at? Typically... It is, or typically it's Glenville. Okay. Um, kind of central state, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, this year, we had it in um, Smithville, West Virginia, which is only about 30 minutes. It's about 30 minutes west of Glenville and uh, about 30, 30, 40 minutes east of Parkersburg. Okay, that's that's really... Random it town. It is very random town. <laughs> I was like, I'm not sure. Is that, is, is that Roan County? I thought Gabe was stumped for a second. Was too, I'm like, Gabe is West Virginia yeah. man himself. So, like, when you said Smithville, I saw like, Gabe make his face. I was like, like oh, damn. Which okay. county is that in? Yeah. 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 And th- this was kind of a throwback style convention because typically, typically we have it at the um, um, Gilmer County Recreation Center mm-hmm. okay. and have it on their grounds. Yeah. Um, this year, we had it in a field next to um, a river, and everybody camped. Yeah, we that's had, cool. Oh, that sounds We had neat. all kinds of stuff. There was 700-some people came through Heck in cool. the weekend. That's cool. Um, that sounds like a good time. It was a good time. It was a really good time. Um, we have trapping <coughs> supply dealers show up, so mm-hmm. you can buy all the supplies you need for the upcoming season. Um, demonstrations, you know, on trapping, on fur handling. Yeah. Um, uh, just a very a wide variety Dude, just of things. There was blacksmith or blacksmithing set up and uh, like a civil war encampment. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It was it was a pretty good time. There's so much. I, I think there's so much to it. You know, just in terms of thinking about it, just talking to you, Justin. Like, you know, man. Like, I I guess I'm just curious. You know, when it comes to trapping. You know, let's say, you know, and, and maybe you have your, your secret tidbits or whatever, but, like, take me through, in a you know, a series of, of trapping. I mean, other than just finding out where an animal walks and, and going from there, but, like, walk me through a situation in terms of, like, 
when you go set up your traps? Like, how do you scout this land? How do you how do you set this stuff up and and things like that? It's I know. Very <laughs> condensed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> condensed. Um, I'm just curious. You know, I, I think there are a lot of people who are listening to this episode that. Yeah, I mean, really I have no clue. Yeah, yeah. guaranteed. Because I mean, I I really don't. I don't either. This isn't something that I did. But I'm interested. I'm extremely interested. Yeah, I right. think it's interesting. Definitely. I mean, it's it's all dependent on what species of animal you're targeting. Okay, let's go for. Let's take me through how we're gonna how are we gonna trap a beaver? How are we gonna trap a beaver? Mm-hmm. Well, first we're gonna we gotta find some beaver. Right. Um. You know, you're gonna look along waterways. You're gonna look for beaver sign you know chewed sticks beaver dams um if you're on a river you're gonna look for beaver chewings where they've been ringing trees um you're gonna look for uh, you're gonna look for crawl outs where they're coming out of the river mm-hmm. up and down the bank because when right. they're when they're you know, chewing trees and making their uh winter food cache they're just up and down up and right. down, up and down out of the river and that'll be a real Define distinct trails, um, houses. Uh, if they're in, if typically if typically if they're in a pond or a, a marshy area, they'll sometimes build a house. You know, it's like a great big multi-room hut, yeah. Yeah. just they, out of they, stuff they've chewed up. They, yeah. There used to be one of those out at Cadrick's Lake, right? Out of mm-hmm. Lake. Yeah, I remember that be, as a kid. We're kids, yeah. Um, and then they'll also den in the bank mm-hmm. um, they'll excavate a burrow up into the bank sometimes and a lot of times they'll do that and then build a house off to the side of it right um so beaver are pretty easy to find i mean they give themselves away yeah you know mm-hmm. they're they like to show off yeah. <laughs> um and there was considered a keystone species they completely changed their environment to mm-hmm. suit them um, they'll stop a trickle of water and turn it into a 10-acre pond. Yeah. yeah. Um, and as they travel through their environment that they've created, um, when when a beaver swims on the bottom, which most of the time when a beaver's moving through, it'll be swimming on the bottom, mm-hmm. um, it will put its belly to the bottom of to the bottom of the pond, river, whatever. Yeah. And as it swims it pushes the sediment with its chest and it will actually make a groove in the bottom of the pond mm-hmm. and it'll be packed down and it'll be harder than, and I mean, it's exactly the width of that beaver cause he swims through there just about every day. Right. Um, so beaver tell you where to catch them. Yeah. They're like, I swim right here every day, every day, multiple <laughs> like a times a to day. Work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So see that chewed tree. Yeah, <laughs> that's me. That, that chewed me. tree. That was me. me. I did that. <laughs> yeah, those are my teeth marks. Yeah, and and beaver, beaver will humble you. Mm-hmm. Um, they will, you know, if you if you don't catch him the first time, he comes in. If you have a trap, go off and not get him. Mm-hmm. Like maybe pinch him because mm-hmm. sometimes, like if you're using a foothold trap, if he comes in and he like straddles it and it closes and it'll catch him on the belly fur and he'll just like you know, jump yeah. and he's gone. Yeah. You know, he's not caught. Right. 
they get really hard to catch after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You lost that element of surprise. Yeah, you've right. lost the element of surprise. Right. And an animal that has created its own environment, mm-hmm. if something wrong happens in there, you know, it's he, he's on high alert Yeah. You know, after that. Um, the best way to hit them is hard and fast. Right. <laughs> What's in the middle of my underwater driveway? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. <clears throat> um, but there are several methods of taking beaver ones with a uh, foothold trap mm-hmm. um one is with a body gripping trap mm-hmm. which a body gripping trap is a similar concept to just a big mouse trap mm-hmm. um it is it's got two springs on either side and it's a square shape yeah um when you close the springs these metal bars will open and or when you compress the springs these metal bars will you fold it open Mm -hmm. and then there's a trigger and what's called a dog Mm -hmm. which is what latches over and holds the trigger right um you set that square down in his run where he's going Mm -hmm. back and forth every day every day back and forth and uh with a little luck he'll go through there without knocking it over and hit it square and Mm -hmm. it'll close and Typically, they're made big enough to hit that. What you want it to do is hit it. It'll hit it right behind the head, like Mm -hmm. right behind the ears. Yeah. Next broke, Mm -hmm. it's instant. It's instant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sometimes one will get a little through, and typically a bar will get back of the head and middle of the back. Yeah. But, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's the easiest way to catch them. Yeah. And then you can snare them. Yeah, which snaring, snaring beavers, it's about the easiest way to do it. You're right. not carrying a lot of equipment, mm-hmm. um, and that beaver will swim through that snare, and yep. then he's waiting for you, just swimming in a circle. Yeah, you know, hanging out. Yeah, he's usually not happy. Right, but then <laughs> you know, then you've got to dispatch him when you Definitely. get there. Definitely. Um, and if you're going to eat him, snaring's the way to go. Right, because you know you know exactly when when that animal expired right mm-hmm. whereas fair yeah yeah every <clears throat> you have to check in west virginia you have to check your traps every check and tend your traps every um every day mm-hmm. um so if you set that trap and an hour later that beaver swims through there boom he's dead mm-hmm. you come back the next that. day that beaver's been there for a while so mm-hmm. you could probably still eat him that time of year because the water's cold right but um I'd rather, if I'm going to eat them, I'd rather snare them. Yeah. yeah. Understandable. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. That's a bit of a risk. So yeah. let's say, you know, we snag a beaver. All right. Um, we're we're going to harvest this thing and, 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 you know, whether it's for whatever we need to, to get, we take it back to your place. Mm-hmm. And, and what do we do from there? So we've caught our beaver. Mm-hmm. We take him back home. Um, we're going to lay that beaver on his back. Because um, beaver are skinned open, mm-hmm. whereas all other fur, well, yes, all other fur bears are case skinned. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, a fox, a coyote, a raccoon, um, you're going to skin them the same way you would a deer. You're just basically going to peel that. You're going to start at the back feet and you're going to peel him, peel the fur down like a sock mm-hmm. off the end of his nose. Yeah. Where a beaver, 
is open skin. You lay him on his back and you make a straight cut from the middle of his tail up to his chin between his front teeth. Yeah. And then you just start like unfolding. Right. Um, once you get him skinned or get the belly skinned off. Right. And get the legs out. Um, then you'll flip him over, and the easiest way I've found to do it is to hang him by the tail mm-hmm. and then let gravity do the rest right, as you yeah. skin down the back. Right. Um, and then after the beaver's skinned, I would harvest the caster glands from the beaver, which yeah. they're two glands that beavers use to mark their territory on either side of the vent. Yeah. Um, remove those and then dry them. Um, and then... I'd comb the fur out and take that beaver to the fleshing beam where I've got a two-sided knife. It's called a necker. Yeah. Um, The outside is sharp, whereas the inside is dull. Right. The sharp side is used to slice through gristle um, and meat where the dull side is used to push fat. Okay, yeah. Because fat comes off of the leather side of the fur. Right. Super easy. Um, But right behind a beaver's... Right behind a beaver's head is real, real thin gristle that's, like, real tight to the leather. Yeah. And you've basically got, you're doing knife knife work. You're slicing right there. And then when you get right above the beaver's tail, same thing. You've got an almost inch, inch and a half layer of fat that is just gristly, gristly fat. And when you get down there, you're doing a lot of knife work, too, but the whole middle of the beaver you can pretty much push off with the, right. with the, the dull, dull side. side. And uh, so after you've got all the fat, gristle, membrane off that leather side of the fur, yeah. um, then you can either nail it out to a board in an oval shape. Mm-hmm. You know, you start with a nail in the nose and a nail in the tail mm-hmm. and a nail on each side. So you just kind of lay them out in a, and do your nails in a T. Right. And then just start halfing between your nails mm-hmm. until you've got a circle yeah. or a oval. And that hide will dry. You want to lift it off the board so it doesn't dry to the board. Right. You just lift it up on the nails about, I don't know, a quarter of an inch. Yeah. Get airflow behind it. Right. And uh, that beaver will dry with a fan on it in 50 to 60 degree temperatures in about four days he's ready to come off a board right and that's how you sell it yeah um or you can tan it yeah yeah at that point right so i mean after you when you go to sell do you take this to to you know and and like i said this is me knowing absolutely nothing justin so like Mm -hmm. you take these to shows do you take these to there is traders that you personally know that that you've created kind of like a pipeline with that you so I hope that's not a dumb question. No, it's not. Okay. Um, Because to sell fur in West Virginia, you have to sell it to a licensed buyer or through the Trappers Association auction, Mm -hmm. which is organized by licensed buyers. Um, And buyers are required to report, you know, how many animals they're buying. Right. Um, I believe what county the animals are coming from. You know, they collect data for the DNR, just like the trappers do. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can take your fur to a licensed buyer, 
which there's none real close to us really? where we're at. Um, used to be. I think the clo- closest one is, I think there's still a guy in Tupper's Plains, Ohio, yeah. that's licensed in West Virginia. Okay. I'm not sure if he still is or not. I haven't talked to him in a few years. Um, and then I take most of my stuff to the Trappers Association for yeah. auction. Right. Um, you bring your fur there. Um, beavers have to be tagged like you would check in like a deer. A deer. You got to yeah. check them in like a deer. Um, bobcats have to be checked in like a deer. Um, otters have to be checked in. And fisher have to be checked in. Um, river otter and bobcats have to receive what's called a CITES seal which is the Convention of Convention on International <coughs> Trade of Endangered Species. Okay. So you have to get a federal tag mm-hmm. and put on bobcats mm-hmm. and river otter before they leave the state. I gotcha. Um, so you'd show up at the fur auction or to the fur buyer. Mm-hmm. He would then, in most cases, he would, you know, look at all that fur, grade it out, as you know, because not all not all beaver are created equal, not all right. coyotes are mm-hmm. created equal, you know. Um he's looking for imperfections in the fur, imperfections in the leather. Mm-hmm. Um if there's no imperfection in that animal, it'll grade out as like a number one mm-hmm. or number two. Right. Um s- depending on how much damage there is, it then gets knocked down to like a low two um uh, three four right. or five yeah um but yeah um so is it usually pretty rare to get graded i mean a, a one or i mean is that usually common or so it depends on the species yeah. um coyotes especially are we don't have a great coyote in West Virginia. Right. Um, it's about 50-50 um, as far as what I would say, because a low two usually doesn't, I mean, it's it's one grade down, but it's right. you usually still make decent money on mm-hmm. low twos. Um, but a one, two, or a one and two, and then a low two, that's probably about 50%, and then the other 50% is probably threes, fours, fives, right. you know, yeah. um, just imperfections in the fur, which, yeah. you know. Is when, that when naturally you, or from when someone's trying to it prepare could be, them? It, could be, it can be naturally or it can be man caught, you know. Yeah, right. Human error. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Scrape that one a little too much. Yeah, you can get a little. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, you can do a little too now much. Now that's a three, Gabe. <laughs> now that's a three. We're if you're lucky. We're just pitching it. <laughs> yeah, you can do a little too much knife work. I'll just put that with my rat tail coat. <laughs> God, dog. God. Can you imagine what that would look like, though? Squid. We just like these little like pink rat tails. Like, you know. <laughs> If you're referring uh, to a nutria rat coat, the tails aren't pink. Oh, they're not pink. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah, Gabe. Well, I'm gonna on. go back to a river rat. <laughs> get your river rat tail coat. <laughs> God. Um, uh, yeah. So back to the topic. Yeah. Sorry. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that was good. But uh, yeah, and you know, other things like when the animal was caught. 
are taken into consideration because um so raccoons especially beaver especially so raccoons are flesh and dried um the leather out furs inside okay yeah. um so you can you can look for uh you can look for things like tick bites you can see all the holes if there are any um um scarring um there will be blemishes on the leather if there is uh like what's called a window yeah so basically there's just fur missing yeah in that spot um and then if a raccoon is caught early enough um the leather will be a what's called slate or a slaty collar yeah. um which is kind of a blue it's a dark um it's almost the same color as the blue on this rug here yeah. um and then as you get farther into the winter um typically typically we lose most of our slate color in by by thanksgiving um and then you'll have like a creamy white color on your raccoons right um and then some raccoons will never lose that slate color right that's just um and then beaver you can tell beaver muskrat anywhere any any of the furs that you can see the see the leather you can tell generally about when that animal was caught whether it was caught early whether it was caught late yeah um because the flesh leather side will actually have a different color different right. patterns yep. on it mm-hmm. um and then what else have i not touched on so after they're graded um you know they'll they'll sort them you say i bring in i don't know 10 beaver mm-hmm. they're going to go through each of those beaver and they're going to size them. So, well, beaver are graded different than what some other stuff is. Right. So, mm-hmm. beaver, they're going to size. Yeah. Um, and that's just by inches. Um, they'll they'll measure how long it is, how wide it is, and then they'll just add it up, and that yeah. gives you your inch measurement. And then um, it, will, it would be put with everybody else's um, of that size mm-hmm. and that grade. Right. And... They're gonna, yeah. If I've got ten beaver, you know, they're not all gonna be the same. They're just gonna right. be spread up. Yeah. Um. They'll do that with every species. Mm-hmm. And then, um. After they bring everybody's fur in, um, on Sunday the is the actual auction. So they spend two spend two days taking in fur, um, from guys bringing from all over the state, guys and girls. Yeah. And uh, then on Sunday. Um, the buyers come in and they have the auction. Right. And, you know, you see how the market's shaking out yeah. then yeah. pretty much. Um, There's no, like, like way to base it leading up to that? There is. Um, but typically, typically all of the smaller state sales and all of the guys that are buying for, you know, on their own, they're kind of waiting to see what happens at the international Mm-hmm. auctions yeah which we're down to i think one international auction house now oh really wow. um and then there's some there's some you know, bigger buyers 
the mm-hmm. country that have like direct ties out to China or wherever, right. and yeah. Yeah, yeah, they can move it themselves. Mm-hmm. But um, typically, those international auctions are where you know the precedent is kind of set, yeah. and then people kind of you know will spend more on yeah. more mm-hmm. on whatever. But um, and then you get guys that come in and they just want to buy fur to you know have it tanned and sell in the country. Mm-hmm. Those are my favorites. Yeah. Um. Because typically they're looking for oddity stuff. They're looking for black coyotes. They're looking for red coyotes, right. blonde coy- yeah. blonde coyotes, just odd. A little bit things. more specific, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, but they probably pay a little bit better too, right? Or or bid a little bit higher. A lot of times they'll pay more f- more for that stuff than what it's worth. Yeah, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I can believe that. I can believe it. If that looks special. Larger. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Uh, dude, I, I think. Man, across the board, uh, just getting deeper and deeper <laughs> into me. I could, I could go on all night. Yeah, yeah. I, I do have one question. Like, I, how I many? Told, tra- I told you I could sit here and talk. <laughs> no, I'm down with <laughs> hey, it, dude. We, we got a talk- fridge full. I'm yeah. telling you, we have no limit. Nobody yeah. tells us how long this has to <laughs> right. be. So, uh, how many traps do you run each year typically? Um. So, two years ago, I did a how for. I think I had a hundred and around 130 traps out Damn. for about two weeks. Really? Yeah. So my uh, question, I'll follow that up. I don't mean to interrupt. No, that, that was an all day. Does that, day of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 130 traps each day, 130 traps. Okay. You, you said 130 traps, you know, is this sporadic throughout, you know, a large geographical area. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're traveling, put miles on the truck. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, basically almost, you know, up to the edge of Jackson County down that into Cabell County. And mm-hmm. you know, it was a pretty big area. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, you're traveling pretty much the entire, the entirety of, you know, this tried. Yeah. yeah. So, so each day you're hopefully catching something, or several along that yeah. that line, right? Yeah. Do you yeah. reset it that day? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Um. Typically, I'm confined by work. Yeah. Know, right. My, my nine to five job. Mm-hmm. So I'm not normally running that many. Normally, I might be running a dozen, two dozen. Yeah. Before work. Um. But if I can find the time, I like to run a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say that. That is a lot. I mean, yeah. Um. Because if you can get, if you can, if you've, if you've got two weeks off say mm-hmm. and i can use three days to get 130 150 traps out and kind of you know, that's running just about all day long yeah. mm-hmm. um you can catch a lot of fur really fast yeah um and then not have to you know then yeah. you then you're not getting up at three o'clock in the morning and checking yep. before work and maybe catching nothing for a week at a time yeah. with your 12 traps yeah. right <laughs> but uh yeah wow nice wow good question Gabe. but last thing but last year we had the baby and i think i only got to trap for maybe a week total yeah yeah um and i didn't run that many yeah i think i might have had maybe four dozen out something but like i mean that. You, you know you have to think what you started though here, Justin, I think, and, and I'm just saying from from my perspective, I mean, 
and it's funny how things come along this way is, you know, you've influenced Daniel and, and you've influenced Justin Lee, you know, a couple of good friends of mine, but like, you're going to, you're going to raise your son to, to go this route too. You know what I mean? I think you're starting a generation of, of trappers that, that, you know, you're jump starting here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I think to me that that's really wholesome. Um, and it's really, it's fresh and it's kind of, um, it's really neat to see that, that that's, you know, that's the effect that you have on, on people around here in our area with, you know, mm-hmm. you know, my friends and, and things like that. I think it's really neat to, to see that, you know, and yeah. you know, at the beginning of the episode, you'd hit on, you know, trapping, um, it's, it's, you know, it hasn't really died off. It's kind of starting to, to come back, I guess, or, or starting to become more popular. I don't want to say come back, but I, I also think, you know, I think, it, it was kind of a, a perfect little storm that brought it kind yeah. of back up to the surface and kind of because we're seeing we're seeing more people on like social media doing it yeah. um, and I think we can attribute some of that to things like the show's mountain men and yeah. life boys yeah, fair. zero and, fair. good point kind know, of normalizing that yeah, yeah. they're kind of normalizing a little bit and then you know like i said the quality deer management thing yeah. and like the turkey hunters yeah you know, they're kind of coming around to yeah. it mm-hmm. um but yeah it's it's just so much more of an investment than what a lot of people think about when they first getting into it because when you set out a trap line you're you're committed yeah i mean if it's raining when you get up in the morning you don't have to get up and go bow hunt exactly yeah you need to go check but you're legally bound by law and responsibility to go get up and go check your traps yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's not like just some yahoo that's just like out throwing stuff out i mean i'm sure that happens but like you're trappers and those are the ones that give us a bad name exactly exactly But I mean, which that's the best thing about you, dude, is just, I mean, I know you personally. So, and I've known you my entire life, but like, this is something that you take serious from just a natural resource perspective. Like you, you want this to do well mm-hmm. to foster and grow wildlife here. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, it's a cool tradition and, it, and it's a cool sport and everything like that. But like overall, like you, you take a really awesome approach to all of it. I, I would agree. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. Sometimes. Most of the time, Lisa agrees, but sometimes she's just like, <laughs> it drives her nuts. How are you doing? Well, I mean, it, it, it's your job to drive her nuts, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. like, you know it's 4 a.m. Like, yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> you know there are beaver out there to catch. And I am legally and responsibly bound to check I these traps. To, Lisa. I, I can go to, to jail or yeah. pay like a $3,000 fine, Lisa. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. But not a better excuse. Well, dude, I appreciate you coming over like i said Those glad to be here time, man. have a couple cold ones yeah good time dude. like yeah. i said i got i can talk about this for days we'll we can make episode two <laughs> make a uh, part two i'm not against two. that we've done it before uh, all right dude well appreciate you yeah thanks for having me yeah
What was that? What was that? Mm. 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 That was a hell of an episode. That was fun, dude. Hell of an interview. Enlightening. Yeah, I mean, I I repeated numerous times that I knew nothing of trapping or anything. No, I didn't either. Justin literally walked us through step one. I, I could go catch a beaver tomorrow. No, you couldn't. Not even remotely close. Yeah, you like you don't even have a you don't even have a trap. Yeah, but I well yeah. No. Um we're gonna <clears> stand <throat> in a pond and grab him by his tail. No, we just have to look for the chest indention. Oh, and and, and the Where he's and, been and the pond bed? Yeah, you gotta the look bed, for like that the floor indention. of the pond. What? What? Florida pond. And the floor of the pond, the bottom of the pond. Oh, yeah. yeah, you got to look for his chest. He pushes it with his tits. <laughs> <laughs> soft mud, soft mud. Oh, oh there, there's his driveway. Oh, his nipples. Golly. What? Did you say golly? I said golly. Please leave it to beaver. <laughs> what? I hate you. <laughs> what? That's how you find it. You push mud or chest. Yeah, but there's only like a certain trap you're going to put there. Well, I'm either going to use a snare or I'm going to use a full body trap. Right, Justin? Body grip, yeah. Body grip, yeah. That's it. And I'll go from there. Yeah. Anywho. Um, <laughs> solid episode. Definitely solid episode. I was excited just to have Justin come over to the house so we can drink some beer together. Yeah. So I af- after talking with Justin, like I totally misjudged my criteria of having a beard to be a great trapper. I don't think that. I mean, Justin's got a beard, but I mean, you don't really have to have a great beard to be a great trapper. Well, apparently not. Nah, because so we, 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 have, we, have, we, we have okay beards. Well, let's we're revisit not, we're the no question trappers. of how many people you think trapped at the beard competition. I would say zero percent. There, there may have been one guy that was like, he was like an old guy. The rest of them were pretty much like biker dudes. Fair. So we're going to say probably zero probably percent. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it leads us into our next segment of Mind Your Business. Mm-hmm. Give a shout out to a small business your mind and yeah so i'm gonna go with uh stone tower stone tower joe so it's a uh well they formed out of uh joe and throw coffee shop in fairmont west virginia um they're also their uh, their own roaster there in fairmont but they have two sister stores one in buckhannon and they just opened up their third store their third co- coffee shop in um bridgeport west Fair. virginia so Fair. um stone tower joe Solid. Good stuff. Great coffee. They actually they have they keep craft beer on tap too, so that's kind of like within a cool the coffee vibe. shop. Within the coffee shop, man. So like you get your pour over, your espresso, whatever, or your then drip. grab a beer, and and or grab a beer. They have good food as well. You know it's getting a stout season anyway. <clears throat> it's getting to stout season. <clears throat> I think uh, it's here. No, it is here. The yeah. weather and people think I'm crazy when I say this, but like. I cannot drink a stout. Go ahead, Justin. Throw the, I see you yeah. seeing the headset. Hop yeah, go here. ahead. Throw it on here, big dog. It is definitely stout season. I'm telling you, dude. <laughs> I think so many people think I'm crazy when I'm like, I can't drink stouts when it's like 90 degrees out. It's just, nah. I, I can't. I, I, just, <clears throat> I just picked up one of my favorites a couple days ago. I picked up a Jackie O's Dark Apparition, bourbon yes. barrel aged. Looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. And the longer you let them sit. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna give it like tomorrow. Well let it, I'm gonna take it out of the fridge, let it sit for a little bit, warm up. I'll be over. But no, I think uh it's stout season. It's stout it season. 
So, uh, what business are you minding? Well, there's a new business <clears throat> that's just come to Point Pleasant, West Virginia. First and Main Burgers and Fries. Um, a couple of my buddies own it. Um, Parker Hill and Cody Mullins, they own mm-hmm. it uh, down on, on First Street in Point Pleasant. Um, pretty unique spot. It was a uh, it was the Captain's Creamery, creamery originally. Like, oh, the ice cream shop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's they had taken the, like... I don't know what you call that. I don't know. It's like the top of a barge, like the captain's. I, I would say captain's quarter, but it's a wheelhouse. It's a wheelhouse. The wheelhouse of a barge. They took the wheelhouse of a Ask barge. The man that actually used to work on the boat. <laughs> exactly. It's the wheelhouse of a barge, <laughs> and the, and they've taken it, and they've <clears throat> it's sat there forever. But they've taken the initiative to 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 take this and and turn it into something neat. They do smash burgers. They do uh, fresh cut fries. It's it's the whole kit and caboodle of burgers and fries. Uh, logo is pretty sweet, dude. Just straight black and white. Mm-hmm. First and main. I think that's a killer name. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so Parker and Cody have done a great job of, of taking that, flipping it. Um, and they've really um, tailored it to really become a part of Main Street. You know what I mean? They're going to yeah. be open for uh, Christmas on Main here mm-hmm. in the next couple of days. And, and they've been slinging burgers. Parker's frequented our food truck quite a bit yeah uh just a real solid dude that that's uh that's in for the long haul so yeah. you know. I, i'm definitely excited to see them like come to their own keep expanding and stuff like that yeah i, th- so. I think they're slowly you know coming there and you know with any small business it, it takes time and and they've really taken their time to kind of take this and mold it mm-hmm. uh into into what they want so you know smash burgers are a thing that are you know, I feel like they're kind of new. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, for the longest time, I feel like people are always looking for thick burgers, um, but they're they're taking the smash burger game to to yeah. something new. I talked to Parker just a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, dude, what's the hype behind smash burgers? Because like I'm a dude that I want a thick cut burger. You know what I mean? Um, but it makes sense. He told me like, you, dude, you leave it on the griddle, it gets a good you know crust on it. And solid flavor, it locks in. You know, you smash it, but it soaks back. The Do they juices. use like those those cast iron like like it's literally cast iron? You sit on top. I would say so. I mean, it just, it just yeah. smashes it. Yeah, but like when you smash it, juices run out, but then they get sucked back in. What was that? I don't know. You were describing it. You made the noise. I, I don't know. What you're talking literally about. made a noise. Oh, that that one. Justin yeah. did that that time. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's solid in terms of what they're doing. Um, I'm excited. He did, he did tell me like, dude, if you want to be fulfilled, like get a double. So like, I'm gonna have to get like a quad. I mean, if you go to a smash burger place, you got to expect a smash burger. I mean, if you don't know what a smash burger is, I've never had one. Have you had one? Yeah, I've had. You have had. I've had a smash burger prior to. What would you recommend? Smash burger, I just go single, typically. Serious? Yeah, just because if I want a smash burger, I just want a smash burger. Fair. I've never had one. Mm-hmm. I'm not a burger connoisseur, but I think the Shake Shop, I think those burgers would be considered smash burgers. Are they? That probably is. I would be. say so. Probably. <laughs> They're pretty close. Yeah. Because I mean, if you get a stuffed shirt over there, like it's like two patties, and I mean, and it's mm-hmm. just about the same as like what you would consider a normal American patty. Fair. Because we're fat as hell. Yeah. 
So, yeah. But no, I, I would totally. Uh, the business I'm on tonight is uh, first and main burgers and fries. I, yeah. I like how they, you know, yeah, for sure. They're fresh cut fries. They're dude. They're doing the real, the mm-hmm. real way, the right way, and and I'm excited to uh, see how they continue to expand. So yeah, first and main definitely go give them a shout in the Point Pleasant area, or you know, if you're around here, a listener. I'm telling you now, you need to go check them out. So yeah. Hey, before we go on to our next segment. So, last episode we talked with um, Ohio Furnace Beard Company. All right, uh-huh. so we're now officially beard ambassadors. Oh, for, we're for, in the for their brand. Now. Like we're on, we're on the end. I kind of feel like a co-owner. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't go that far. Well, that's I mean, I'm, I'm just I'm just happy that like. Well, it's how that's how big kind of I feel into this. I know. Like I'm excited about that. I'm brand. not, but like they have good stuff. They have I'm proud stuff. to represent that. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I ordered, this is the first, I, I've been ordering oil and like beard balm from them for a while, but they've had a product out for a little bit. It, it's like called Miracle Main. So it's supposed to enhance like your beard growth more than just what n- normal oil and balm. I'll say, dude. Th- I'm, I'm excited to see I saw where you this yesterday goes. in the training room and now I see you and your beard's like down to your belly button. That's just because I'm fat and I'm sitting down. Fair enough. <laughs> But anyways, I am excited to get this stuff. Um, just give it a shot, see what happens. I have pretty good confidence in it. Like a head full of the guys that do all the beer competitions, that's what they use. And they have a lot more going on right there than I do. So I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah. I'll try this out. So all their other other products have been pretty They're spot on. Pretty dependable. Mm-hmm. So um and with us being uh beard ambassadors, uh you guys can actually Get fifteen percent off your order from their website if you use the code What's Hap O F B C. That's all caps W H A T S H A P P O F B C. As you're checking out, and you will receive fifteen percent off your online order, and your beard grows fifteen percent faster. Yes, it's a. I was lying. I I mean, we can't prove that, but yes, it will. Because I don't know what per, it's different per person, so maybe it will grow fifteen percent more. So I right. would say yes. Good. I was just saying that. it will grow at least fifteen percent more if you don't trim it. You'll save money if you fifteen <clears> percent. <throat> yes. So, anyways, check out Ohio Furnace Beard Company <laughs> for your beard needs. All right. So we're at the end of this, man. Our favorite segment. We drink to. Why are you gonna spring that on me out of nowhere? It's my favorite shit to do. You just cursed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is what I'm drinking to tonight. Tonight I am drinking to the fact that it is the holiday season. <laughs> you don't have to work for a week. I don't. I'm so happy. Dude, I'm not gonna lie. Joke's like, on you. You still have basketball practice next yeah, week. Yeah, but like I love my for girl, two hours so a day. Like, it's gonna be a good time. Dude, they've been taking these concepts, running with it. Like, I'm excited to see how they do. But, like, dude, school's out for a solid week, and I cannot wait. It is mo- It's probably my most favorite time of the year because, like, even it's when the we- most wonderful. That's not what I said. <clears throat> um, but <laughs> when we go back to work, it's still, like, for the solid couple weeks that we're back in school, like, kids are excited for Christmas. Like, I'm excited for Christmas. But, like, my thing is, dude, leading up to this point, work <clears> – <throat> 
has been just nuts because I think the kids have all come back and they're like, hell yeah, we need to make up for all this time that we haven't been able to raise hell. So we're going to raise all sorts of hell. And it's like, Mm. damn, like chill, you know? So, but no, I needed a week off from this because I don't blame you. Crazy. You deserve it. Kids have been nuts. It was, I, I, my favorite part was Thursday night before your guys' last day before break, full on full moon with a, with a lunar eclipse. That was crazy. How was Friday? It was crazy. <laughs> like people say, full moon doesn't matter, blah blah blah. But like, usually, yeah, it kind of does. I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, I'm I'm a little bit of a half believer in this. Mm-hmm. Does half moon, full moon affect animal movement? A little bit. Well, it does a lot of bit with kids. <laughs> and they're full moving. And I can't trap any of them. Can't catch them in a trap. No. Snare <laughs> <laughs> one of those jerk eighth graders. God. Dude, I walked into the bathroom the other day and like one of them taking toilet paper and just threw it all over the bathroom. And I'm like. Because that's nice. I had a kid puke in my class the other day. Janitor comes in. Another kid in the back of my room says, have fun cleaning up puke. To the janitor? Yeah. Man. Dude, I ripped ass right after that. I don't mean fart. I mean, I just straight up ripped into their ass. I'm talking about ripped into their ass. You should have. Shit all over them. (laughs) No, I got pissed. Dude, I don't blame you. That's so disrespectful. Yeah. (laughs) I just made you really interrupt have fun clean up puke and just me just sit there. <laughs> just shit my pants right by my podium. <laughs> no, like, I legitimately got mad. Uh, you know what I just did to my pants? That's your attitude. <laughs> no, I'm just. So the janitor left, and I'm like, I tried to tell him, like, guys, you don't understand. Like, I've been in a position before, like, I told the kids I went through my spiel like I was a trash man at one point. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's not fun to pick up after people's stupid ass messes that like Yeah, that just do this stupid stuff. No disregard for the person that actually has to take care right. of it. Right. Like or no regard for kids the- piss on the floor or like, you know, do this stupid stuff like they have no idea of like they're gonna have to be somebody that comes up and cleans up after you. Mm-hmm. You know, and and rightfully so, like I'm not gonna be you know, I'll be honest, like throwing toilet paper over the <clears throat> Over the stalls, like that—that's—that's that's lightweight work compared to like pissing all over the floor. Yeah. Like, I'll tell you who deserves a week. Lo- walls. I'll tell you who deserves a week long break more than you do. Yeah, the janitors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they deserve like a, a few months break. Like, Agreed. dude, I'm telling you. <clears throat> and we have the greatest janitors at at Point Pleasant High School. Like, dude, they always show up every day with a smile on their face. And I'm telling you, they're happy people, dude. Val and Clyde just. Two that I think of that work during the day, mm-hmm. man, they just put up with a lot of crap that that a lot of people wouldn't. Um, and you know, I, I went on a long spiel with those kids of like, you know, one, it's rude to say that stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, if somebody's going to take up the 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 job to to clean up after somebody else, like, you know, <laughs> two, you know, I've been there before. Like I've had I've worked a trash truck and people just really don't give a sh- crap about you know yeah. how they treat you no they don't um and it's not fun cleaning up after other people 
But a lot of people don't think about that, and that's something they yeah. need to take into consideration. So we we did a big, uh, we did a unit on respect and and good on you, man. Results of actions and things like that, just because of what was said. So for sure. Um. So yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Two week long break. Week long break. Yeah. Which isn't much of a break. But we'll be back before you know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But we're just gonna leave like thirty seconds in here where we smack our lips at each I other. I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna edit that shit out. No, you don't. No, you leave that. You leave that awkwardness in there, Gabriel mm. Lee. You leave that. Cody Don. Leave that. We smack lips. Quit. It's not ASMR. <laughs> Quit. All right. Now that's over the top. Edit that out. And that. <laughs> rat tail. Rat tail jacket. Can you imagine? Can, but for real, can you imagine a jacket made of purely rat tails? Can we talk about like, the rat like, tail like, like tassels? Like on the bottom of a jacket. Oh, God. Like, you know, no, that is way <laughs> over the top. Holy crap. Uh, it was funny, though. Or the rat tail hair, hairstyle. Do you have a rat tail? I didn't have a rat tail. Justin, well, did you have a no, rat not, tail? not a rat tail. Justin had a rat tail. Not a tail. I never had a rat like tail. Like a mullet tail, but I didn't no, have a rat tail. No, you did not. Are you serious? As a little kid, like three in like 1993. What? The year doesn't justify it. Yeah, yeah like, it does. 100, 100% does. You had a you had a rat tail mullet. It wasn't a rat tail because it wasn't like braided. It was definitely a mullet. It was I, a mullet. You I had a sick mullet back in the Dude, day. Dude, my dad had like one of those like tail flips like at the bo- the base of your like i guess that's considered the nape of your neck it's yeah. like the white person's jerry curl okay. yeah yeah dude like my dad had one until probably 2001 well yeah i mean that's your dad like <clears throat> I know. my dad had a mullet but like i, I got kid. rid of mine in like 1996 i had a pineapple for uh, like everybody had a pineapple years. at one point you had a mullet in, in like 93 i never had a mullet if you were a small child between 89 and 93 and didn't have a mullet, then I I don't know what you had. I mean, is, is that a fair assessment, Lewis? I never had a mullet. I, I never did Okay, either. okay. Gabe well, is the only one here that it's like. I'm sorry that I'm white trash. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I had, the, I had the pineapple and, like. I had the pineapple in, like, grade school at one point. Did I, you have a I Nike remember check that. in the it, back? It was, like, a quarter of my kindergarten, first grade class they they all rocked like the mullet yeah rat, i agree rat yeah. tail same rat <clears throat> tail was something where it was just like what is that yeah i look back but the rat tail was weird because like it was literally like a, a stri- like a handful of strands that was just braided off the back of someone's head that is a weird one the mullet like, that's like, not what i, I had like a mullet like and the mullet's back the mullet i understand has been and back sadly in a back. weird way yeah that's what i'm saying high it's school weird. kids are all it's about always it, been but. weird and you're weird uh for having that but like the rat tail in itself was kind of a disgusting hairstyle yeah oh was is no. Hey, do you remember on <laughs> the mullet's back? So give it a couple of years. The rat tail will be back. If the rat tail comes back, I swear to God, I'm retired. Carson's gonna be like, "Hey, Dad, I want a rat tail." And be like, "No." And I hope you give him one. No. Why would I do that? I know our barbers are better than that. You know it. Yeah, but your our barbers have that respect of of changing times to where they would say, "Hey, 
You need you, to take you, a step you want, back. You want to do this a, You want to do a rat tail. I'm like, I don't want to do that. Rat tail, my son. Well, it's up to Carson to make that rat decision. Tail. Okay, how about this? If he grows up and he's like listening to like heavy metal, like Anthrax or something like that, Anthrax has or like two thousand and like three Boba Oh my Flex. God, what are you talking about? That has nothing like, to do like with Marty rat McCoy tails. with like two rat tails off the front oh of his my head. Gosh. Well, yeah, that has nothing to do with rat tails was, in the back. I'm talking about a solid. I'm talking about a solid rat tail by itself <laughs> out of the back of your head. Jesus, I can't believe we're even talking yeah, about we're, this. We're rat way tails off are, topic. No, I don't even care. Like, I can't believe we're discussing rat. I can't believe rat tails were a thing. This is disgusting. It was, it was a weird time to be alive in the 1990s, and we were all three. I kind of avoided that part, though. I did I the mullet as a. Did you have a Nike check in the back of your head? <laughs> I did do those at one point. Was it colored? No. It was just a Nike check. No, mine was colored. I did stair steps, too. I guess there's a thing called stair steps where like they were like do, 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 up, like our our listeners can't see what you just did with your hand. <clears throat> Let me just describe it with sound. Do, 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 do. Up, up the side of each side of your head. Yeah, let's just, just like stair steps. Episode. Let's just end it. Okay, I'm done with this. Yeah. Y'all have a good one. <laughs> I love you all. Bye. This episode is powered by West Virginia Camp Whitman.